the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. We are always excited about 3 o'clock Central Time to be coming to you with Exploring the Word. And by the way, I know you're hearing us on the radio or you can hear, uh, you know, while you're at the app. But you can also go to streaming.afa.net. That is streaming.afa.net. And you can view us. And not only just audio, but video. We've added that about a month ago. And it is growing, the number of people that are watching. And we're also, you can watch us on Exploring the Word Facebook. And so with that, we welcome you to Exploring the Word. And welcome you to turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs 8 is a great, great chapter in the Bible, and I think we'll enjoy it today. Alex, the key part of Proverbs 8 is wisdom, and uh, he's gone back and talked about wisdom and making good choices, but this is the one, it's the wisdom, the choice to be wise, and it sounds like we can have wisdom if we so desire it, brother. Well, exactly, exactly, and the call to be wise, and the the cry of wisdom is from the mountaintops. You know, in the Gospels, in Matthew and Luke, it talks about shouting things from the rooftops, but when there's a message like the message of God and truth that's going out, I mean, it's worthy of of broadcasting it, not only from mountaintops, (laughs) but from high radio towers, isn't it? Amen. That's a good analogy, Alex. Matter of fact, uh, as you said, it cries out, lifting your voice from the high hill, that's in verse 1, to you, O men, I call, for my voice is to the sons of men. Now, he gives a warning to those who will not hear, the simple ones and the fools. And so, don't be foolish. Don't be simple-minded. Now, it's all right to have some simplicity to your life. That's not what we're talking about. Matter of fact, it's usually much better. Uh, we can get so many irons in the fire that we can't do them all. Uh, have you ever saw that e- example about spinning plates, Alex? You know, they oh, have I it know. in the circus. Yeah. And uh, we can start trying to, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to spin too many plates. So we have to simplify sometimes. But that's better. that's different than being simple-minded, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. In fact, do you know what? I I really think uh, one of the wisest things we can do is try to simplify and to uh, overcommit and, you know, overpromise and underdeliver. That's very unwise. But let me me read this because, uh, again, as we talked about earlier in the study of the book of Proverbs, wisdom is really personified. Uh, here and we know that uh, truth is Jesus Christ. He is truth incarnate. That's in John fourteen six. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But um, there's there's a, a literary technique called called anthropomorphism, and it's to give human characteristics to an inanimate object. And truth and wisdom and knowledge and God's revelation is, you might say, anthropomorphized here, but I don't think that's without reason, because ultimately the foundation of truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But verse 1 of Proverbs 8 says, Does not wisdom cry out? Does not understanding put forth her voice? She stands in the top of the high places by the way in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. Bert, um, I'm just going to say it. We know Jesus is truth incarnate, but the voice inside of us trying to call us to truth, I think that's the Holy Spirit. I would agree. And honestly, as I read chapter 8 of Fresh and Anew, looking at it, I could not help but notice that, that the ministries of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of Jesus Christ are clearly seen in Proverbs 8 of what they do. We come to Jesus' ministry when we come to verse 22, and we'll get there. Uh, if if you didn't know it was talking about wisdom, you would be, th- except one or two things, you would be thinking it's talking about Jesus. But here again, and he warns about the old foolish ones, and verse 6 says, listen, and I will speak. Now, notice the things he does and listen to these words. 
in verse 6, it's excellent things. He's going to speak. And from the opening of my lips will come right things. So excellence, right things. Verse 7, for my mouth will speak truth. There it is, Alex. We've been talking about wisdom and truth. They do run parallel. And then look at verse 8. And of words of my mouth are with righteousness. Man, this is jam-packed, but there's more to come, and it's not complicated. Listen to what it says in verse 9. They are all plain to him who understands. God, Jesus simplified so many things. Now, I know he spoke in parables, and I know he asked some difficult questions, uh, but if you understood and were spiritually minded with the Holy Spirit of the Lord in Scriptures, they're plainly spoken. So we, I, I took this and I say, okay, Bert, how about your speech? Is it excellent concerning the things of God? Is it the right things and not uh, crooked things? Uh, the word right has the idea of straightness. Is it truth? Is it righteousness? Is it plain? Alex, uh, I hope exploring the word, those five qualities uh, they describe what we try to do here on this program, man. I mean, that's Amen. what we're trying, isn't it? Make ourselves plain. You, you know, one of the greatest compliments that I ever got, and I give God the glory, but I was on Fox News. This is, I don't know, six or seven years ago with Lauren Green of Fox News, and she was introducing me. And, and again, I'm completely giving God the glory, but she said, uh, trusted, truthful, and timely uh, yep. of me. And I said, may, Lord Jesus, may that be true, <laughs> Amen. trusted, truthful, and timely. Yeah. And we, we certainly want to do that. And so, um, you know, we give God the glory, and, and uh, we want to make sure that we're being accurate, and, and we'll talk more about that later in the show. But um, regarding the voice of the Holy Spirit, let me just say, folks, if, if you want to know God, you need to know Jesus, but if you really want to grow in truth and in conformity to the will of God, the, the purposes of God, you must be in the Bible. You must be in the Bible. And look at uh, verse 5 and 6. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things, for my, my mouth shall speak truth. If you want to know excellent things, if you want to have insight and understanding and know what are the right things, then get into the Word of God. Bert, uh, you and I have talked about this. I've known a lot of people who may not have had formal education, uh, but they've had a Bible education, and they are just, uh, frankly, brilliant because they've spent decades in the Word of God. And that's what God's truth will do for you, won't it? It will. Matter of fact, Alex, I want to give a testimony. I was raised by such a man. My dad, John Maurice Harper, he, he was just a godly man. I haven't talked too much about my dad, but he, he was a farmer and just a simple man. But he knew the Word of God, and uh, he wasn't perfect in any ways, and there were some mistakes that he made. But even in that time frame when we were not in church like we should have been, I saw an example of everything else in his life. And, Annette, well, not well-educated, but well-read. So you can be well-read without the education. And matter of fact, <laughs> I'll just be frank, if what the world wants in education today, uh, listen, I'd rather be well-read than what most of the universities are putting out the secular mm-hmm. universities and so right. but if you can go through that out education process and 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 make sure you're staying in the word i i want to tell you, you can spit out the briars you can go yeah. to a class and you can say what that professor is saying yes i may have to regurgitate that uh answer to him but i know it's not true and so, but I, I want to tell you, the options are there. There's some good, godly universities and colleges that are available out there for, I, and, and matter of fact, it may need to begin in elementary school the way that a lot of places are doing that. But let me just share with you, this is uh, education uh, choice week uh, of the year. I heard that the other day, today on the radio that uh, the education sources are are multiplied these days, homeschooling, Christian education, and co-ops, co-ops. And so with your children, be wise. And if they're going to a secular school, 
I want to tell you there's availability of extra material that is good that they can read and you can educate them at home about some things that are godly and helpful, brother. Amen. Well, and you know what? The the stewardship of the mind is such a, an important thing. I'll tell you that. And what our kids learn and what we ourselves learn, very, very uh, careful because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But, um, you know, the trustworthiness of God's revelation, my goodness, uh, verse 8, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understands and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. Hey, truth is worth more than silver or gold. And let me say this also, you can't put a price on, on truth. Bert, um, we live we live in a time where so many companies are go woke, and I was just this week reading about a couple of major corporations that have capitulated and have uh, you know um, for for no good reason. I mean, they don't have any reason to dive into the LGBTQ trans issues, but they do that. Why? Because they don't want to miss a single dollar. I got to say, and regarding our nation, regarding our, our churches, regarding our very lives, some things are not for sale. Amen. And, and folks, this is the challenge. Love God, whether or not it's popular. Stand for truth, whether or not the world agrees with you. And stand for God's truth, even if it might cost you money, because truth is worth more than money. Well, let me say this. Some of those companies that has gone woke, they've paid a price financially. They may be thinking they're doing it for the dollar, but let me just say Mars uh, found out company yeah, M&Ms. Yeah. Hey, that didn't work. We're going to pull that back. Uh, Disney, yeah. with a, some of the uh, movies that they've made, they thought it would be a blockbuster, and they found out when they took it to the theater, hey, man, we didn't even recoup what we spent on it. And so... Listen, uh, all those companies that are woke, there are some people who have been awakened spiritually through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and they're going to try to stand in righteousness because that's exactly all the words of my mouth are with righteousness. And Alex, you're exactly right. That's where we stand in righteousness and truth, and we need to make it plain. Well, we're going to be back with the rest of Proverbs chapter 8, and at the end, we'll take your questions here on Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Rick Scott, Senator from Florida. He is the state's junior senator, as well as Florida's former governor. Colossians 4 verses 5 and 6 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Senator Rick Scott as he represents the people of Florida. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says God made us managers or stewards of not just our money, but every resource He's put into our lives. He'll talk about some of those key areas today as we spend two minutes with Tony. You and I are stewards, not owners. There are four spheres of your stewardship. Your individual life must now be ruled by God, which means you will check out his decision in order for you to make your decision. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So if you're taking God seriously, that means you're going to find out what he wants on the front end and then adjust your footsteps to that. And where you haven't done it, you're going to repent and say, God, I've been going the wrong way, but now I'm turning to move in your way so that you can now move with me in whatever area you need to repent. Then the family, you fight for the family. 
And then you become part of God's broader spiritual family. Not just sit soaking sour, but engaged in, in making the church as strong, as impactful as it can be collectively. And then we go public. We let the world know, the society know, our community know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of our faith. And we do it with love, but we do it with clarity because a charge to keep I have and a God to glorify. I'm a steward of individual life, family life, church life, and for the well-being of the community in which I live, work, play. Learn how to be a skilled manager of everything God has given you. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We are in Proverbs chapter 8 on Exploring the Word. So honored that you're listening. Proverbs chapter 8 in the Old Testament. Then later on in the program, we will take phone calls and Bible questions. If you want to kind of get get the jump on things, I'll give you that telephone number. It's 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 if you want to call in with a Bible question. But, um, Bert, would you believe today, I'm going to read verse 11, then I'm going to tell you something I saw in the news today. Uh, verse 11 of Proverbs 8 says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Uh, worth more than jewels or rubies. I just today read about a man who won a lottery, one of the biggest lottery payouts, $267 million. And uh, two years after he got all that money, he and his wife of 30 years divorced. He spent all his money on uh, frivolous investments, and um, it apparently was not living right, cost him his health, died at 61 and in a way, that windfall of all that lottery money, this is just in the news today, um, it pretty much cost him his life. And, and you know what's worth more than money is truth. You know what's worth more than riches and fame is to have a relationship with God and to be living your life according to God's principles. Now, Proverbs says that earlier in the chapter, it said length of days. Bind it around your neck. It will be a security to you. And, Bert, um, I, I don't know. I think our culture needs to be re-reminded that there are some things worth more than money. Amen. And that's the Lord and his word. Amen. What shall it gain a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? That's that verse that you were talking about, that individual. I want to look at verse 11. I don't want to spend a lot of time because we've got 30-something verses, 20-something to go through. Here it says, does this sound like Proverbs 31 a little bit? For wisdom is better than rubies, and all mm-hmm. the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. It's referring to wisdom as a, a person there. Cannot be compared with her. Sounds a lot like Proverbs. He that find a good wife, uh, she cannot, her is better than rubies. Can't nothing compares to her. So wisdom, I want to put those together. Wisdom will help you to know who to marry. In other words, yes. pre prepare yourself. Young people that are listening, you're you're on your way home from school today and you're listening to this because somebody's uh, driving, or you may be listening on your own, because we do have individuals that listen on their own that are college young students, people, yeah. that are young people. And I want to tell you, prepare your person. Uh, prepare for marriage by gaining wisdom. It's far above rubies, and nothing can be compared to it. So, Alex, I, I just love, again, Proverbs 8 uh, is a jewel. When it, And I say jewel because it's talking about rubies, gold, and silver. It's a jewel when it compares the ministry of the Holy Spirit, getting truth, Jesus being the truth. And then in verse 12, notice, here it is again, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. Uh 
Solomon is taking a poetic way of describing this. Listen to this. I just want to read a few verses, and I'll throw it back to you. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine in sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Be by me, listen to this, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Again, uh, you find this uh, just making it personal, and and it nearly sounds like New Testament writings part of this, Alex. Well, it really does. It really does. And um, so many of these words that are related to our acquisition of truth, uh, prudence, uh, knowledge, uh, you know, the... um, King James renders verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Now, let me say there's a couple of things at play here. For one, uh, all truth is God's truth, as R.C. Sproul used to say. But um, man can scheme and plan and think, but the Bible is very clear that everything is done before the eyes of the Lord. And so, uh, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth, or dishonest, double-speaking mouth, do I hate. Bert, when it's talking about all the knowledge of God, and God sees all, he knows all, he knows the motives and the purposes and the intents of our heart, if you're thinking, God knows it. If you're scheming, God knows it. And then this reminder that the, the hatred of evil and pride and sin comes from the fear of the Lord. We are to fear God. And Alex, let me say, look at leadership. Kings, rulers, princes, judges, these are leaders. Uh, you want to choose here in America, because of our Constitution, it says, we the people. We the people. And so we are to look and have discernment. That's why the AFA has what is called the I Voter Guide. And, yes. and the I Voter Guide, it, it goes through those candidates that are running and will be running. And you can look at that and see what they stand for, who's contributed to their uh, campaign, and have wisdom for those that are ruling. Uh, when you're under a monarchy, and therefore you don't have that, an anarchy, you don't have that. But here in America, because of the Constitution, we do, and that stewardship. So the rulers and those of you that are ruling, we've had judges to call us. We've had, uh, uh, you know, those that are in power, professors, teachers to call us. Get wisdom and, and use it wisely as under the Lord. And so, Alex, again, Proverbs 8 is one of those that really promotes us to have that relationship. Listen to verse 13 of 17. I love, yes. love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. God, even here in Proverbs, is seeking a relationship with us, isn't he? Well, he really is, and, and it's such a beautiful thing. He says, I love those that love me. If you, uh, if you embrace wisdom, wisdom will embrace you back. And it says, riches and honor are with me, durable riches. The word there is really enduring and it means surpassing, it means lasting, and there, there are fleeting uh, riches that aren't really riches, and then there are the enduring riches, which is the presence of the Lord and righteousness. goes on again in 19, my fruit is better than gold. Uh, verse 20, I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of judgment. Now, verse 21, that I may cause those that love me, this is wisdom, this is God's truth. Cause them who love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures. Now, Bert, you remember um, in Hebrews 11, when we've read through the Faith Hall of Fame, it talks about Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed, and he didn't know where he was going, but he followed God, and it said, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You and I have talked about this, that really the cities of this world don't have foundations, at least not lasting foundations. And look down there uh, in verse 21, it it talks about substance. 
And substance means something real. Bert, I would submit to you that there are masses of people that have put their heart and life into things that actually are unreal. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And listen, they are not lasting. The Bible makes that plain in First First uh, John, and it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all of those would dissipate. They'll be burned up. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We have that assurance. And here, even in the Old Testament, you see the missional part even of Proverbs, the missional part, and all you're getting, get wisdom. And that brings us to verse 22, where it makes a little transition in, in the presentation that Solomon has. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. If you didn't know better, you'd think he's talking about Jesus, except the Lord possessed me. And But Jesus was there. But, okay, Jesus is truth. You've already mentioned that earlier. He's also wisdom, compounded. He was there. And it even says this in verse 23, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever a earth. Now, Alex, again, we're talking about the Alpha and Omega, Jesus Christ, he was there before, and he'll be there afterwards. Uh, after this earth is burned up with a fervent heat, Jesus Christ is Lord. And and I know this is, there's some things you can't say. This is just exactly like Jesus, but it is foreshadowing who Jesus is and his ministry right here from 22 all the way through verse 31. Well, this is powerful stuff. It really is. And then it goes on in verse 23. Again, talking about the eternal nature of God's truth. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. Now, it's interesting. Uh, we're shouting truth from the mountaintops, and truth existed before those mountaintops did. All here in this chapter 8. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. Bert, um, verse, I'm going to skip down for just a second to verse 30. Then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Now, folks, I know this is very poetic Hebrew writing. Obviously, the words given by the Holy Spirit. But um, I'm just going to say it. I believe we're talking about uh, Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, with God the Father. Uh, obviously, the Holy Spirit is there because whenever it's talking about uh, crying out to your heart, that's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is conviction and instruction. You know, 1 John 2.27 says the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. But, Bert, I, I, I realize this is perhaps not as vivid as some other scriptures, but what I'm seeing here, God the Creator, uh, Jesus with him from eternity past, the Spirit of God drawing us, I see the Trinity here in Proverbs 8. You do see that, and again, there are some parts of this from 22 to 31 that is a section of Proverbs 8 They that kind of goes because it makes that transition when it says the Lord possess me rather than talking about, and you know, it's all about that. But Alex, I agree with you, especially some of this. It's so beautiful. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew the circle, the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above, the foundations in the deep. When he assigned the sea its limit. I just love that. Uh, who told the sea it could go so far? You know, it is mm -hmm. uh, Job would ask that. That's the wisdom literature. God has set what we call boundaries. And those boundaries go with where we live, who we are. It has to do with marriage. There's boundaries in marriage. It's a man and a woman. There's boundaries in our identity. You're either male or female. And again, when you see these, you see Jesus Christ who becomes our identity when we know him. Our identity completely changes when we come to redemption in Christ Jesus, I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I glorify God in my body. Alex, again, this has the idea of identity. And I said it yesterday. I'm saying it again. I guess I'm on my soapbox. Hmm. Since 20, 
2020, it's been an identity crisis of who am I, where are yes. we? And it is, if you'll be saved and you'll ask Jesus Christ into your life, you'll have a new identity. And if you need help with that, there's a number that we partner with, and that number is uh, 1-800-NEED-HIM, 1-800-NEED-HIM, and you can call them. They'll pray with you. They'll share Scripture with you. They'll help you come to the knowledge of Christ or help you to know for certain that you are saved. But I want to tell you, we need that identity in Christ. And like you said, when you read verses 22 to 31, I think the identity of Jesus Christ is expressed. Amen. I I would completely agree. Uh, Rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the Son of Men. Now, what is the habitable part of God's creation? Because God is everywhere. You know, Psalms talks about in the depths and the heights. God is everywhere. But I think it's interesting. Uh, Verse 31 talks about that God's delight is with the sons of men. I'll tell you where there's one place that uh, we want to make sure God inhabits, and that is your heart and your soul. Amen. Isn't that something? God rejoices to be at the center of your life. And blessing, obviously the greatest blessing of all is salvation, to know that our sins are forgiven. But we know God is everywhere, but here's the question. Is he within you? Uh, Let him in. Uh, 32, now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways, hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor. He that sins against me wrongs his own soul, and all that hate me love death. Isn't that something? Yes. Uh, you hate God in truth? Well, you've just <laughs> made a compact with death. Now, Bert, verse 35. That's it. The, the wording of it. <laughs> reminds me of another precious promise that I would say, and I suspect you already know, Proverbs 31. Exactly, it does. Listen, Proverbs 8, uh, if you don't get anything, get verse 35. Whoever finds me finds life. That's in Christ Jesus, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about going from darkness into light. We're talking about going from death into life, and it's through him. He obtains favor with God. You come into that relationship with Him. That is so exciting. I pray those who are listening today have that relationship and it's real. Well, Alex, we're going to take phone calls, and that number is 888-589-8840. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you today. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Washington Watch. This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. Yeah, I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith. Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The Internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family. And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. 
And may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. The 128th Psalm explains that it is the individual who's been transformed by the power of God who then builds the transformed family. Transformed families build transformed churches. Transformed churches build transformed communities. And transformed communities impact the broader society. The way forward in America is repentance and living locally. Focus intensely on your families, your local church, and your local community. What goes on in your house is far more important than what happens in the White House. Great Commission execution must begin in Jerusalem. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand God, any who seek God. Psalm 14, verse 2, American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You got pain, he's a pain If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so honored you're listening. Hey, we're going to get to calls in just a moment, and that number is 888 888- 589-8840, 888-589-8840. But before we do, I want to correct something I said yesterday. I made a mistake. Oh, and, wow. Uh, no, Alex, no. no that <laughs> happens. That happens. Yeah, uh, We do our best to, to be factual. And it's one of those times yesterday we were, we were running out of time and I was talking fast, or at least what I think is fast. And the minute this thing rolled out of my mouth, I knew I was incorrect. But we had a call about Numbers chapter 19 about Miriam and Aaron, and they uh, rebelled against Moses, and uh, Miriam got leprosy on her hand. And why didn't Aaron get anything, uh, you know, or apparently get a reprimand? And I said they were husband and wife, and I know they they were brother and sister, uh, of Moses, I believe, and so I want to stand corrected on that. I knew that, and I spoke wrong, and it happens. It I'm a human. Happens. <laughs> it happens. Alex, I would hate to go back and have every one of my mistakes uh, recorded before me like that, but anyway, yeah, and, and Moses was the youngest, Aaron the oldest, yeah, and yeah. Miriam, if you remember, yeah. she's the one that took Moses in the bulrushes and but, put him yeah. in the Nile River. And Miriam was also the one that came to Pharaoh's daughter and says, I know a woman that can uh, take care of that little baby boy. And she yeah. went and got Moses' uh, mother. What it, I love that story. Yes. It's one of my favorites in all the Bible. Well, Alex, I, I do too. You ready yes. to go to the phone lines? Let's do it, folks. 888-589-8840. We welcome your calls. Let's go to the great, great state of West Virginia. Rick, welcome. Thank you, guys. How are y'all doing today? Doing good. good. Good to hear from you. How's things in West Virginia? Today, it's it's snow flurries today. Okay. About, oh, about, boy. About 30s, mid-30s, but it's, uh, it's, everything's good. Oh, great. I, 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 really, I just want to say, first of all, I really appreciate, Bert, you and Alex both so much. I appreciate the fact that you always, you don't sugarcoat anything. You per, you're bold with presenting the word, but you always do it in love. And I, I can't tell you how much you helped me and how much I appreciate it. Uh, my question is, you, you covered a lot. You've had a lot of questions. I listen to you quite as much as I can. I've heard a lot of questions. Callers call in about questions on baptism. On in Mark one four, where it says John preach baptism unto repentance, I would just like to get get y'all's view on that verse. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fantastic question, Rick, and we do thank you. 
what you said that you hear us do is what Alex and I try and pray to do, to be bold and compassionate. You can do both. Uh, you don't have to just be soft and show compassion, and you don't have to be bold and show hardness. You can be bold and compassionate, and that's through the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. But speaking of baptism, John's baptism was a, a baptism of repentance, Rick. Matter of fact, there was many that came to John and had been baptized, especially in the book of Acts. They had heard about the baptism of, of, of John, but they had not heard about the baptism that would come with Christ, even the Holy Spirit. So this is a baptism of repentance. It's, it's named exactly correctly, isn't it, Alex? Uh, it, it really is. And, you know, I've often wondered because there was in Judaism what was called a mikvah bath. And Bert, uh, you probably, when you've been to the Holy Land, you've seen sometimes it was kind of like a cistern thing in the ground. But um, the baptism, when we talk about believers' baptism, uh, and, and by the way, as we've said many times, the New Testament uses baptism in, in a couple of senses. One is the public display of one's faith, water baptism in a church, and then the other is like baptism into Christ, which happens when you trust Christ and are born again. Um, the Jews at the time of John the Baptist would have understood the ritual purification of a mikvah bath, which was a baptism. But to this, it wasn't just ritual cleansing, like when a woman had given birth or when uh, someone was converting to Judaism. Baptism of repentance. Bert, um, when John the Baptist was crying out in the wilderness, it would, it would be a, a while before Christ would die and rise again, but there was the turning from sin, turning to God for salvation. I would submit, even like in Mark 1-4, uh, salvation by grace through faith was, was getting into that message already, even though uh, when we are baptized, we say, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. Um, the gospel message was getting into the baptismal uh, event here, wasn't it? John the, I agree with you. John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was yeah. not only the forerunner in the message, he was forerunner in this area of baptism. And it is one that it was nearly like a proselyte. They would go through a change, and they're saying, we're coming. Uh, we, we're coming to God. And it is uh, that. And I think the Holy Spirit of God would complete that in them at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And many of them would be baptized again because of that. And so, yes, it was a baptism of repentance because they came to John asking him to baptize them. He said, go show me works worthy of repentance. In other words, there's a change in your life, and you're going in a whole new direction. And uh, so John had a message of repentance and the hope that would be in Christ. Let's go to Dana in Texas. Dana, welcome to Exploring the Word. Oh, thank you so much. I listen to your uh, your radio station every day, and um, it's interesting that um, I'm in a Bible study, and of course we're studying about the divided kingdom, and we're talking about uh, Israel just taken away into captivity now because of their idolatry and everything. And this morning we had a very good civil, mature discussion of disagreement, and um, I kind of, I kind of took the side of um, when we were talking about the sins of Israel, and one of them was um, about their licentiousness, their unbelief, and maybe their immorality. And then it it kind of went into a little a, a rabbit chase of uh, singling out homosexuality as one of the uh, immoral things. So um, I kind of took the side of where. Um, I, I'm saying not to be not compassionate or anything. I mean, if if a homosexual needed CPR on the side of the road, I certainly would do that for someone. I'm not I, I'm not trying to be dogmatic or anything. But do you think that we should really kind of allow homosexuals in our church? Because then could our church go the way of Israel, where if we just don't you know start with all that stuff, then we're not going to have problems of maybe. 
uh, I just wouldn't want my little ones or my grandchildren to see holding hands in church of two men or a man's arm around another man, things like that. And I took that side. And there are others just saying, we just need to open the doors in the church to that. I was just wondering if you could just shed some light on that disagreement. Okay, Dana, thank you. Let me speak from some experience. I've pastored for 40 years, still am pastoring. I've had to deal with those issues. Pedophilia, I've had to deal with that um, person. Mm. And we had to say, listen, uh, you, uh, we, we put him out. We said, you can't come. you got to show some signs of differential. And then uh, another church, and there's homosexuals that were in our church, and we tried uh, to tell them the warning. And if we saw any sign of that affection, we we tried to act upon that, Alex. And I will agree with Dana. Uh, it's it's like letting your children watch certain tel- television programming today. I, mm-hmm. Don't let them do it. And if it's on display in church, uh, it's it's you wouldn't do that with a man and a woman uh, in a hetero relationship relationship alex and right them, right and them showing so much affection so there's there's a time that you do step in you do it as best you can in love but saying no is sometimes necessary yeah uh you know obviously we want people to come under the gospel and be saved but you know there have been examples of people that were activists and they were they had an agenda and they went to churches simply to make a show or um you know they weren't, they weren't there seeking after God and truth. And, Bert, I, I think unless there's a great revival and our nation humbles itself before God and His Word, probably the battle between truth and error, between God's design for sexuality and gender versus Satan's distortions, probably the conflict is only going to intensify. Would you agree? I would agree. Well, the Bible makes it plain. It's going to get worse and worse as you see the day approaching. And we don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back. There's nothing that needs to happen before Jesus raptures the church. We're not waiting on this to happen, that to happen. Paul expected Jesus' return in his day. And so it's the um, imminent return of Christ, and we're not waiting. But the Bible warns us it's going to be lawlessness, and it's going to be worse and morality. And when you read Romans 1, you can read it as an individual, but you also can read it as a society or as a world. And if you look at Romans 1, how God have gave them up, gave them over, gave them over, uh, we're at the last point at that point in time. And so, yes, we need to stand strong in love as best we can. Now, sometimes they don't receive our love because they say, if you don't agree with us, you don't love us. Uh, yeah. That is entirely false. And we can stand in love and compassion. And those of you, I, I pray that we come across that way. I know we're, uh, I'm loud and, <laughs> and out there, and I know that. But my voice and my heart is for God to do a work in their life. So, Dana, thank you for that good question. Alex, let's go to Oklahoma and talk to James. Welcome, James. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for taking uh, the calls that you do each day and, and for giving us a direction. So here's my question. As I told the call screener, it's regarding tithing. And I'm in a time of transition uh, uh, in a couple of ways, actually three, but I'm trying to find a biblically grounded church, a new church, and then also with my employment. So I had – and the question is regarding tithing. So I had some uh, income where somebody paid me in cash. I set aside the first tenth, you know, the tithe, and set that aside. But since I had not been attending a church, and my understanding is that we're supposed to bring the tithe into the storehouse. So my question was, um, in a recent time where I had to have some money for groceries, I spent that money. Uh, it was only like 40 bucks. But then as soon as I had some income, I put that back. But then I got to thinking, uh, I don't think that the Lord sees that, in, that, that I'm seeing it correctly. So um, it's the first tenth. I did set it aside, but then I used those two $20 bills to buy groceries, and mm. and then I replaced it. How, how does the Lord see that? Okay, James. Thank you. Alex, you go ahead on this one, and I'll respond later. Well, God bless you. You know, we're in Proverbs, and Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your income. And I understand that, you know, when you're a member of a church, you 
Angie and I, we give the tithe to the church, and we give elsewhere as we're able. Um, and maybe if you're between churches, I, I believe in tithing of, of the gross of your income, no matter where you are in your status of life. Now, um, let's say you took out two twenty dollars to tithe, but you had to buy groceries, but then you went back and you said, well, I'm still going to give uh, $40 dollars. Uh, Bert, I, I think the Lord understands that. It wasn't those exact two pieces of paper, that $20, but That's it was right. the amount. I agree. So prayerfully, and, and you know, there, there have been times when I've been traveling so much that I, I would have to make notes and r- write myself a <laughs> reminder note of what I made and where I made it and I, what I was going to yeah. tithe. Because it says this, and then Bert, I'm going to throw it to you. It says, let a man give... Uh, not grudgingly, but as he has purposed in his heart. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes, hey, do your bookkeeping and your accounting to be open and honest before God with your finances. Amen. I, I will not add anything because you're right on, Alex, and thank you, James. We're going to get one more call in, and it's in Texas, and it's Connie. Welcome, Connie. Oh, good afternoon, gentlemen. I just have a quick question on or a response, but it was to the lady that uh, was a phone call ahead about homosexuality in the church. Um, my firstborn grandson is 28 years old. And he's a homosexual. He didn't come out till he was around 21. And we love him no matter what. That's our firstborn. But we do not allow him to come into our home with his partner, whatever, however you want to put them, but because we have 11 grandchildren, younger, and that's not what we want promoted, you know, in our home, and I definitely don't want it promoted in the church for my grandkids. Uh, right. Amen. Connie? And it's not, it's just, you, yes, sir. You, you're, with all my heart, I want to say, well done. Uh, mm-hmm. You love them, you let them know you love them. But you say, this is my limits, and uh, my love is limitless, but the actions you betray have limits. Alex, go ahead. Well, and you know, folks, remember, uh, on this thing of is homosexuality right or wrong, you've got the Word of God, the testimony of Jesus, 6,000 years of human history, 2,000 years of church history, versus 50 years of Hollywood. (laughs) I I mean, come on. Let's stand true to God's revelation on human gender and sexuality. It's not only in Hollywood now. It's in just about government in so many places, and we stand with the Word of God. It is settled in heaven. Alex, tomorrow's Fire Away Friday, so we get to have a lot more phone calls on Friday. It's going to be all questions for all the hour tomorrow on Exploring the Word. We do hope you'll tune in. And you can call with your Bible questions tomorrow. Hey, thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. May God bless you. Tell someone about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.